Loose ball. Ewing goes up. The basket counts. He gets it over to the doctor. Time all game. Here's a shot, Julius. He scores! He scores! Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes down, and the game is tied! Here is Durant moving on Tucker. He turns. He shoots. Yes! Knicks, Nets, and all things across the association. This is Pick and Pod on WFUV Sports. Oh, I love to hear Marv Albert screaming every time a big shot goes down. It's so refreshing, so iconic, the voice that he has. Unfortunately, he was not with us last night, but we are here with you. Welcome back to another installment of Pick and Pod, WFUV's NBA podcast alongside myself, Tom Salo, Chris Persiainen, and Michael Calamari, also producing and speaking, so he's on uh, double duty today. And before I get to you, Chris, Michael, last night, actually, you and I played some basketball, and uh, it, it did not go well, actually. No, we, we actually did play some basketball. I don't think either of us won a no. game in the full court. No. Five on fives. Uh, good thing there was some NBA basketball on, though. We got to watch some actual professionals do it and that was a lot more refreshing than probably anybody that saw us play (laughs) definitely for sure I mean LeBron James playing Golden State Kevin Durant versus the defending champs and Chris P I I know your name is Percy Einan but you should really start going by Chris P as your professional name I I do sometimes to be honest you should I try to make people not bother with the with the last name not recently though I feel like I've kind of just like (laughs) "Eh, that's my name um, what a first night of NBA! Man. Oh yeah, so much fun. Before I before I even go there, I gotta say, next time, bring you need some spacing on the court. Hit me up. I think the problem was we're just all just out of shape. But saying that as college juniors and sophomores is a little crazy. <laughs> but we can't say that for the NBA players. And we're gonna start with opening night. Our first game was the Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks walking away with this one on ring night, one hundred twenty-seven to one hundred and four. Kevin Durant of the Nets had 32 points and 11 rebounds. James Harden, who looked sluggish is the word I'll use, 20 points, 8 rebounds, and 8 assists for him last night. And then Patty Mills, who the Brooklyn Nets acquired in free agency. Hooper. 21 points, 7 of 7 from 3. So if you want to talk about efficiency, uh, there you go right there. And then Giannis, of course, with his video game stats, 32 points, 14 rebounds, 7 assists, 2 blocks. Michael, I'm going to toss this one to you to start. Uh, obviously, from the get-go, this game, the Bucks just had a grip on the Nets' neck and did not relinquish it. What do you think you saw last night of the defending champions? I just thought I saw a cohesive unit. I mean, this team, everyone knows their role. I mean, if you're watching NBA on TNT, you know, Shaq, Charles Barkley, Kenny, they're all talking about this. Everybody knows their role in that offense. They know what purpose they serve, whether it's only seven or eight shots a game, maybe five or six shots a game, or if they're Giannis or Chris Middleton. They're going to get the brunt of the scoring. That's the difference with this Bucks team when I see the Nets team, which really doesn't know who they are yet. I still think they're searching for that identity. And without one of your top paid players, that's what's going to happen. When you don't have Kyrie Irving on the floor, that's the product you're going to find. And the Bucks just looked like the better team that night. And it, it honestly tells me a lot of what they can do this season. They are the defending champions. They can get back there. So that was probably the biggest thing I came away with from last night. And the only thing that I'll say about the Bucks is they really only lost P.J. Tucker. Everyone else is there, and they brought back George Hill again, uh, which is which is pretty funny. I not that he's a bad player, but to think he came back to the Bucks again is definitely an interesting talking point. And Chris, you know, Michael mentioned they're without Kyrie Irving. He kind of alluded to it. Obviously, he's on a. I don't even know what the word is we can use here. Can we, like a strike? I was going to say, is it like a strike? Is it like a strike? Yeah, I, I, I would I guess. guess that's the, man. Yeah, that's kind know. of what I'm thinking. Uh, obviously, protesting the NBA's vaccination policy. I'm, I'm just going to say I don't want to spend too much time on it because everyone's entitled to their own opinion, and some days it's not f- worth just fighting the crazy person. Not to say that Kyrie Irving is a maniac, but he's kind of acting like uh, like Dennis Rodman was way back in the day. Chris, when he left the Bulls and went to Vegas and did all this crazy stuff and talks about philosophies. But the thing is here, they haven't won anything yet. So I don't know why this is being being excused, but I would have to guess if Kyrie was playing. Yeah, I would have to guess that if Kyrie was playing, the, the, the Nets would probably win this game. Uh, it's tough, man. It's tough because I think – 
going into the game, I picked the Bucks, and my thought process behind that was on the court and off the court, you got to think, you know, both both sides here. Off the court, uh, they were going to have that ring ceremony. You know, spirits are high in the building, and it's a, it's a game in front of the home crowd. So I, I like Milwaukee's storyline chances there. But on the court, Brooklyn, um, I think Brooklyn became a better team over the offseason. But they kind of just uh, leaned in further to what they were already doing instead of trying to plug some of those holes. And I think we're looking at a roster that still doesn't have rebounding. It was really evident last night. Uh, a roster that still doesn't have, you know, it's like it's like their centers are all uh, like Statues. drafting a third round running back and just oh plugging him in like every year. You know, like they don't have like a dependable guy. Claxton is supposed to be that guy, and that guy stinks. So, <laughs> um, yeah, it's not gonna not gonna be easy for this team to win games. But I still think they're gonna win a crap ton of them just because they have Durant and Harden. However, when you're going up against the defending champs on ring ceremony night. I went with Milwaukee here, and I think I probably would have gone with them even if Kyrie had played just because Kyrie doesn't remedy the rebounding or the defense, and he doesn't change the fact that Giannis was going to be getting his ring in front of James Harden. So <laughs> I liked the Bucks last night going into the game, and uh, I still think they're they're going to be, you know, by the time we get to the end of the season, we're going to be looking back at, like, Man, I should have taken the Bucks to win the title at like plus three hundred or whatever. Like that, that was a steal because Giannis chipped up and came back with more moves than he had before, and that's just like very demonstrative of a type of dedication to his craft that a lot of champions or new champions like don't immediately demonstrate. They rightfully so enjoy some vacation time, some family time. Giannis came back with more moves, man. Yeah, and to Chris's point, I think a really a key thing here is just the lack of pressure on Giannis and the Bucks. They got their ring. I think that's what the big thing is. In today's NBA, just getting one ring is so, I mean, it's crucial. I think that's across all generations of the NBA. But think about guys like Chris Paul, you know, Carmelo Anthony, guys still searching for their first ring. Giannis gets that. The pressure he doesn't have on him now, you know, James Harden still searching for his first ring. That's a lot off his back, and now he can actually, you know, play his game, you know, work on stuff, his three-point shooting, his post moves, and I think we could see a lot better Bucks team because there is that lack of pressure now. Yeah, certainly it's a good point you guys make. The Bucks obviously get a lot of pressure off of their shoulders by winning the ring. Giannis proves the haters wrong, and I think his biggest hater was James Harden when he had the whole... The whole, um, oh, like, I, I actually have to learn how to play basketball. It takes skill. There's a reason why you're still ringless. Not only that, James Harden, but he still chokes in the playoffs every single year. And it's just become expected at this point. And, and the thing with Harden, he's yeah. only getting older. Yeah, know, he's only clock, getting older. The clock's running on him, so you start to think how many more years well, that's why does he, he have this. And, you know, look at last night. You look at the end of the postseason. Last year, he wasn't really himself. I know he was battling with injuries during that time, but you got to think how many more years does his Nets team have given the situation with Kyrie Irving. And then also, you know, James Harden, how long can he stay healthy? It's really going to be a team that's going to be dominated by Kevin Durant, and Harden's still going to be a dominant scorer in this league for probably two or three more years. But, I mean, this team is aging, and there's not that deep where they can make up for it if a guy goes down or something. I think to say that Harden's still going to be a scorer, while he can still drop 20, like that's not impossible for him to do, he has definitely... He's Digre- gonna do it every night. Man. Yeah, he's gonna digress. He's digressed though to Durant, and if if the other guy plays Kyrie, Kyrie Irving, he'll digress to them and just be content with passing the ball around, which I don't think he really cares, because he never sh- has shown the guts to lead a team to the championship. I mean, he failed to do it in Houston. Uh, he was terrible in the finals appearance when he was on OKC, and then but all before that and in between, he just has not get gotten to. The conference finals other than that one time in Houston and on those Thunder teams but I don't know he hardened to me last night he looked a little sluggish sure he had a couple of nice floaters nice dribbling doing his normal theatrics on the floor which are fun to watch but he looked a lot more sluggish than he usually did and I don't know you can't I don't know if I'm gonna wave the white flag just yet because it is one game I would say Mike to your point about Kyrie Irving you know if they really the Nets really need depth or like to get better 
one of the only ways they can probably do it is getting rid of Irving in a trade somehow and getting a ton of stuff back. That's the only way I see it, see them doing it. But then again, White's like, who wants to take this headache of a point guard on the roster? With Harden, I think it's um, I think it's an age thing, man. Like this guy has been dominating the league for a while, just because of our age. It's kind of been like the entire time we've been basketball fans. This Pretty guy much. has been a good player. Yep. And half the time we've been basketball fans, he's been an offensively dominant one. Um, but he's like 31 or 32 now, and he's starting to rack up, you know, some of that mileage, some of that wear and tear. And I genuinely think, like, it was not only in the preseason, but last night too. Like, he just didn't look like a super young and spiffy James Harden, and no. that's okay. But for a Brooklyn team that has this identity of we're going to score 160 and let you score 140, for James Harden to look like he has less burst, less natural athleticism, uh, that might not be optimal for you guys. No. So it's going to be interesting to see how that develops. But, you know, I think Harden just is starting to age, man. Yeah, I, I think I'll jump in real quick. I think there's no doubt about that, and they're going to need guys to step up. I think that's why Patty Mills is such a big, you know, acquisition there because, you know, he looked great last night, and he's a six-man-of-the-year candidate. I know we're going to get to our awards later, but I think a lot of people might be thinking about him in that, in that mix, and they're going to need that throughout the season. Joe Harris, guys like that. It's just a question how deep they're going to run and if those guys are going to be able to step up, if those others are going to be able to do the job to win them games throughout the regular season and in the dog days of the playoffs. So I think that's a really big question around this Nets team. And then the Kyrie Irving is such a, like, it, it's such a question mark where it's like, how do you build your team to get to the playoffs when you don't know what mix Kyrie's going to be with the team, whether he's going to be at away games, whether he's not going to play at all, where he's going to be at all the games. It's just such a question mark. It, it really, it really lately, it's hard to give a take on this team because you have no idea what team you're going to be looking at in December. Yeah, certainly a lot of unknowns with the Brooklyn Nets. However, Patty Mills, I'll say it again, 7 of 7 last night from the three-point land. But speaking of people that were questioning how much juice they have left, the Los Angeles Lakers and Golden State, that was the other game last night on TNT. Once again, no Marv Albert. It was Ian Eagle for the Nets game, and then Kevin Harlan, Mr. Football, for uh, the second game. And I was surprised Kevin Harlan didn't uh, call both the Dodgers game and the Lakers game, if you guys remember from the Chiefs game in 2019 where he goes, I'm calling both games. You know, I, I really wanted that. Unfortunately, we didn't get it because he doesn't do baseball. But Golden State won 121 to 114 last night versus the LeBron James Lakers show. And LeBron and Davis, 33 and 34 points. Both of them had 11 rebounds each. Steph Curry dropped a triple-double, which was his first since 2016. And Jordan Poole, who a lot of people had kind of written off his rookie year in 2019-20 when he came out of Michigan has really taken the jump. He had 20 points last night, four three-pointers. And this was a Golden State team without Klay Thompson, without James Wiseman. They're going to be out for a while. We didn't see Jonathan Kaminga. We saw Chris P's boy Moses Moody, or as Kendrick Perkin calls him, Moody, Moody Moses or whatever. Yep. Moody Moses. Uh, he played a pretty decent game last night for the minutes that he got. But again, this is another team, anyone can answer this, that is old. It's it's just not insulting to say that the Lakers are an older team. They're the oldest team in the NBA, and they're probably the oldest team by a good margin. I mean, it's whatever's left of DeAndre Jordan, whatever's left of Melo, whatever's left of, uh, of Westbrook. Wayne Ellington is on the roster. God, who else do they have? Rondo, Dwight Howard. It's It's just a team of... Ariza. Yeah, Trevor Ariza, who's not healthy. It's just old people. And sure, we saw the San Francisco Giants in baseball just win 105 games or whatever it was. But the the NBA is way more physically demanding. And again, you can apply the same here for the Lakers. As we said to James Harden, Mike, they look sluggish. No, There's no doubt about that. I think the biggest takeaway there for me, though, aside from that point, is that you know LeBron looked great. He and, did look good. And a healthy Anthony Davis, I mean... He's gonna be, you know, he's gonna be a force in this league. And if he can stay healthy throughout this year, if he's in shape and he can do those things, I mean, he might be the favorite for defensive player of the year. And I think that's gonna be my take later, but you'll hear why. <laughs> and 
He's going to be amazing on the pick and roll with LeBron. Oh, yeah. Those are just two things that this Laker team is going to be great at all year if those two guys stay healthy because I think they're both in shape and they're both, you know, they can take that challenge on. But it's going to be up to the older guys like Rajon Rondo, you know, like Carmelo Anthony. Can he hit shots late in the game? That's going to be the biggest question mark with this team. And then Russell Westbrook, I mean, he needs to perform better. He's the key player in this team. He's going to have to be the scorer with that second unit. And that's going to be a game breaker. It's going to be a lot on him because we know what LeBron is. We know what AD is. But, you know, Russell Westbrook has been up and down throughout the past couple years. You know, he had a great run with Washington at the end of last season. But he had a lot of disappointing performances earlier in the year. And, you know, the same thing in this time with Houston. A lot of it is going to be a question mark around Russell Westbrook. Can he do the job? Because the shooting's a really big question mark. We know he's a worker. That's for sure. But... His three-point shooting has been really off for the past couple of years, and that's what you need around LeBron. So a lot's going to come down to what he can do on the floor for them, and I think that's going to be the biggest thing for the Lakers moving forward. I think what, what Westbrook can do is create open three-pointers. Um, you got to hit them, though. And besides that, I really got no idea what he's doing out there. <laughs> I think a big thing is, like, who's going to hit the three-pointers? Yeah. Like, Austin is, Reeves, Is Melo going to be hitting these three-pointers to yeah. the Lakers? Yeah. See, Me- that's, Melo's going to hit the threes. See, that's the issue I have, Shot though. Because, because Ellington, Ariza, they, they got veteran shooters. Here, here's the thing with Melo, because we saw this when he was with the Rockets. He, he still thinks that he's... Prime Nick's mellow. I think he's. Them. Be- I think he's better though. I mean, he's we better saw about it. it. We saw better, with yeah. Portland. He understood his role a lot better. Yeah. And I think he can carry that into Los Angeles. I just question: Is Mello ever going to be like a catch and shoot? Like, is he going to be like? If, would he fit on the Warriors? Yes. I'm not sure if he would. Uh, Absolutely. Basketball players. I don't that know can though. Make shots. Have a spot in the league. I think that's. I, I think Melo's more of an ISO pull up from mid range. Yeah. Sure, guy. but if you watch the Olympics, you know. Yeah, but he would he, he when he would play with the talent, Chris. He became a spot up. Chris, guy. he's playing against people with the athleticism of me and Michael. I mean, come on, he better dominate those people. That's I, not to and that's not to offend either of you. I'm sure you guys catch were, and shoot. were good athletes in I'm your saying, days, but Mello's like Melo, Melo and Team USA playing against like Thomas Aiello level of athlete in the Olympics is not impressive as and I love Melo don't get me wrong but he's just he's still he's better about it yes you're both right he is better about just kind of standing around and waiting for the ball but last night he went into more than a few posts no I agree and then he took a step back three I'm like oh okay I think there were probably too many mid post isolation looks for Carmelo Anthony last night it's also the first game of a season on a team with a bunch of new players. I really can't fault him to go in with what he knows. Um, you know, like when you're in a new environment for the first time, you might lean on some jokes that you tell like everywhere. Um, <laughs> Mello is playing it's with good, new teammates really for the first analogy. time, man. Like maybe maybe the offensive set broke and he was like, ah, all right, I'll I'll, yeah. I'll try to hit him with a move and get us some points. Yeah, I, I think that could be. I think the other thing I wanted to point out for especially for Golden State side is the the movement that these guys have between just the ball not only that but the way that the players move themselves I thought was the most outstanding trait that I saw last night and I really enjoyed how Steph Curry he gets gets the first pass off at the top of the circle and then he's running around like a maniac with or a chicken with his head cut off and then boom he just pops out of nowhere and then he gets a free layup I I thought Golden State the way that they played last night it reminisced a little bit of their their superpower championship days, and that's not even too long ago. So a lot of those philosophies can still be used. Curry looked great uh, in some stretches. I mean, sure, he wasn't exactly efficient, but 21 points, 10 rebounds, and 10 assists. I mean, that's a triple-double. You're going to take that any night of the week. And I just want to say, I don't know if you guys agree with me here, but I think Golden State – they're not even fully healthy, and we saw last night. This team could make some serious noise yep. in the West. They, they are a dangerous, dangerous team. Yeah, I'm, the the Warriors are going to be the team that on your regular season calendar you're not going to want to face because on any given night they can beat you no matter who you are, and I think they're going to be one of the best regular season teams this year. Whether they carry that into the postseason, I'm not sure, but they're going to hit threes. That's what this roster is built around, hitting threes. They have a lot of guys who can do so, and I think that's a huge difference maker for them. And you also look about when they get Klay Thompson back, what mm-hmm. that does for Curry. I mean, 
they're currently like trying to double Curry on the perimeter. And when you have Klay Thompson there, you can't really do that because you can't leave him open. And if Klay Thompson gets the ball, then someone else is going to find a three-pointer or a lane to the basket. So I just think that this team could be a killer for a lot of other teams in the regular season. And, you know, if they can carry that into the postseason, they're going to be dangerous for any team. I don't think anybody wants to play the Warriors no. right now. I really I, don't. I, I certainly wouldn't as a – as an observer of the Knicks, Chris and I, like we, we wouldn't want to play them. Mike, I don't think you're a Cavs observer. I don't think you I don't think the Cavs want to play anybody. I don't. Yeah, I, don't <laughs> I was gonna say the Cavs want to play the Orlando Magic. And I don't think it. we want to play the Chicago Bulls right there now. There you I think go. That's, that's like a more. There you go. I, I spent all off season trying to tell people about the Warriors, man. I, I really think it's this simple. Steph Curry, guys that can shoot and defend a little bit. They're going to win. They're going Offense. to win a ton of games. Yeah. I don't get I I didn't get this off-season dialogue regarding the Warriors like, "Oh, they picked Wiseman last year and Kuminga this year." So because those guys are projects, they're going to suck. I was like, "Okay, I think Wiseman was not a great prospect. I I loved Kuminga, both very raw, both not good picks for the Golden State Warriors if you ask me. Uh because they should be going for win-now talent when you have the second best player in the entire NBA." Um but who's the first best player? It's Giannis. Okay, it's Giannis. I was gonna say Giannis is top dog. I'm, I think I think he might be too. I mean, I know we're getting it's a little off track, but I just want to throw that in there. Yeah, I think Giannis I mean, is be top at that dog. Point. I'm, I'm the I'm the fan of Durant at number one. Giannis uh, at the one B. Durant's like four, keep dude. keep going about Golden Durant, State. This is a discussion. Durant for is day. after healthy Kawhi. Get a grip. All right, <laughs> <laughs> all right. To go uh, in terms of Golden State, like you have an MVP caliber offensive engine. And then you were putting, like, Kelly Oubre and rookie James Wiseman around him. Like, are you kidding me? Now they're going to have Bielitsa, Otto Porter, Moody Moses. Moody Moses. Uh, these are all guys who are not amazing at basketball. These are all guys who do not, like, intentionally make dumb decisions and brick shots. And, like, they are floor spacers. They are smart passers. These players are going to help Steph a lot. Clay, I don't think, is going to come back 100%. He's, I think, yeah. But he's a smart player. He yeah. can shoot, good passing. I think this team is going to play a really, really beautiful brand of basketball all year and rack up maybe 48-plus wins, 50-plus um, even. I just I love this Warriors team. They were my pick yesterday against the Lakers. So I start off the NBA 2-0. This is the go. first time... I have not missed a pick in like ever. <laughs> um, I, you know, I always get one wrong. Over <laughs> oh, we're all hey, look, good start. We're all human, but Clay Thompson, the jump shot is certainly going to be there. Uh, it's a matter of can he just hold up in general? And the same thing can be said for Wiseman. I don't know the the, the Wiseman pick. I mean, there's really no one else. I mean, if they took LaMelo Ball, I think that would have been a weird pick. No, that was the pick. That was the – okay. I mean, I thought it would have been weird because Steph was just really good last year and LaMelo was – I think you always take talent. Yeah. In yep. my opinion. I just LaMelo. thought that – see the thing with Wiseman, and then we're going to – I want to move on to uh, another rookie, uh, young star in the NBA, but James Wiseman, like they picked him because they needed – Kavon Looney 2.0, who's just a little taller. I should have gone with Onyeka. I, I just think yeah. that you should never go with fit. Yeah. I never like fit because what happens is you miss out on the better player. And if a, I mean, Chris, you mentioned this with Carmelo. I do agree with what you said. A good basketball player, if you can ball, you can play anywhere. You can fit in any system. I really believe that. I mean, kind of what Brooklyn's doing. I, I don't think anyone really saw like Harden, Durant, Kyrie's play styles all mixing. But we can all agree if they're all on the floor together. I think they're going to do a lot of damage, and they're probably the favorites to win it all. But, you know, my point earlier was the question if that was going to happen. And I think if you get a guy like LaMelo, he would have fit with that Golden State offense. But they might have actually thought Wiseman was the top prospect. I mean, at the time, he had a lot of, I mean, intangibles that you really like, the size, the speed, the quickness. But he just really hasn't shown that in the NBA, at least the performing, you know, using that, you know, to get him buckets and to score and be an effective player. So I think the jury's still out on him, but... You know, if the Warriors team gets him and uh, coming back, I mean, they're going to be a dangerous team, I think, and they already are. So I think that says a lot to, you know, Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, you know, yep. that core they still have. Mm -hmm. Wiseman can be good, man. I just I, I pulled it up on my phone here so I could give you guys an exact number. Um, I had him number 14. You have him 14th on your draft board? On my draft board. Jesus that Christ. Year. That is shockingly low. What the I, that hell? That is shockingly because low. Because I think he was all like, hey, uh, you ever seen that Family Guy clip about the uh, the mystery box? I I'm not a I'm not like a super 
avid pop culture TV person. All right, so I'll explain so, it. I'll, I'll, I'm going to digress on l- this. Let me explain it in four seconds. Peter Griffin gets offered a free yacht. Oh, God. He says, instead of the yacht, you could have this tiny mystery box, and there could be anything in it. He goes, oh, give me the mystery box. Gives up a yacht and gets, like, nothing in the box. Oh, my God. I think James Wiseman is the magical mystery box. That guy wow. has all the potential to look really cool on a basketball court. 7-1, yeah. whatever, running, dunking, passing, shooting. I think he can't actually do any of it efficiently, and it's going to take a while for him to learn it. He's a giant yeah. mystery box, so I, I didn't love that pick. Moody is good, though. Kaminga will be good soon. I like Kaminga. Shout out to New Jersey. Jersey Chris and boy. I are from Yep, Chris and I are from New Jersey. Sorry, Mike, you're from New York, so you don't get the big-time NBA draft prospect, but that's okay. We still love you. <laughs> and there's a lot of promise with a lot of these teams. It's going to come down to health, obviously. Clay doesn't come back until around Christmas time, so that'll be a nice... Uh, present under the tree, but there's also coal in the stockings here in Philadelphia. Ben Simmons, uh, I don't even know how to describe like, a whirlwind is what he is, is a headache. I have no idea. He came back to the Sixers completely unannounced, did not tell anyone on the team, and they were not prepared for him to show up. Then yesterday, he goes to practice and he gets thrown out because he didn't want to do a defensive drill. And then Doc Rivers is like, all right, I've had enough of this clown. He kicks him out of practice. Ben Simmons has already been fined $1.4 million for missing the four preseason games. And now he's going to be suspended opening night, which is of this recording on Wednesday, which is tonight. He's going to lose $227,000 in total. That's his fine. Ooh. And then Joel Embiid just ripping Ben Simmons into smithereens. A couple of quotes here from Joel uh, the first one, he said, I'm trying to win, but it's not our job to babysit. And then he goes on to say about Ben Simmons, at this point, I don't care about that man. He does whatever he wants. That's not my job. That's the front office's job. So th- there's a lot to unpack here, gentlemen, about Ben Simmons and this nonsense, whatever it is. I mean, the Sixers are in a hell of a moment in their franchise right now. And it started with the dunk in that Hawks series in the playoffs, and it's just, it's dragged on. There's the trade rumors, no one wants to trade for him, his contract, should he retire, Is does he care about basketball? It's so it's such a backwards, up and down, left and right situation. And Chris, I know that Ben Simmons, we he does other, yeah, we know he does other things. He plays defense, he, the passing, the rebounding, we get Great it. basketball player. Great Great basketball player. He he doesn't, he doesn't yeah he doesn't want to work on the jump shot. I don't know what they should do with him. It's it's a very touchy spot that they're in. I guess is the word. Man, David Stern. Where is David Stern? David we... Stern would have been in the Daryl. He would have been in Daryl Morey's office with like a ransom note yeah. by now. Trade him, or I'm giving you Anthony Bennett. Or I'm selling. <laughs> I'm selling the team for you. Oh my um, god. Dude, I, I, they, Stern would have taken care of this. I think. The, I think. <laughs> I say that because you know the first thought to my mind is just trade him already. Um, I think both sides are to a detriment trying to like stand their ground and prove a point here. Um, it, it's time to move on, man. Simmons just got kicked out of practice early for refusing to engage in a defensive drill. Wasn't That's even the only sh- thing he wasn't can even do. A shooting drill. <laughs> That's the only thing. He wasn't can do. even a shooting drill. He wouldn't do a defensive drill. Like, get out of here, man. It, it, it's just a crazy situation because look at Green Bay. We're gonna take it out of basketball. Oh for come on, don't do this. A little thing. moment, you know. Aaron, jo- uh, um, Aaron Rodgers, sorry, was doing essentially the same thing Ben Simmons was doing. You know, holding out. You know, taking his time before reporting to training camp, and you know, playing the season. But once he got there, you know, aside from those press conference comments he did make, you know. He was pretty locked in with what was going on during the year. You know, he shows up to practice. You know, he's playing the games full tilt. But Ben Simmons, you know, he's doing all the Aaron Rodgers stuff to build up. But then when he gets to Philadelphia, he's not giving. You know, the, look at the video. I'm not sure if you guys saw that. Oh, video. I saw the video. Oh yeah. He looks totally disengaged. Like he hates it. He looks like he doesn't. It looks like the, the if you ever played like in high school sports, you know that one kid who like kind of dogs it every day. Yep. And like he's probably gonna get cut or something. That's what Ben Simmons <laughs> looks like. And it's like you're the leader of the team. Like that, this is your team, or it should be your team. Like you have a chance to make yourself better, make the team better. 
You know, I don't care about the history between maybe the comments Doc Rivers made, you know, after the playoffs. Yeah, he's got to grow up. You know, the media, this is the time where you can prove everybody. You should be, you know, you should have want the opportunity to prove Doc Rivers wrong, prove your coaches wrong, prove the organization wrong, prove the media wrong, but it just feels like he's feeding more into it. It gives us more to talk about. We should be have less to talk about because of the work he's putting in, and then he can prove us all wrong in the game. If he really thinks they're wrong about him, Let's prove it wrong, but let's do it in a Sixers uniform because that's the best chance we have of getting back to the playoffs. Yep. I think the Aaron Rodgers reference, and I'll say this as I grew up a Packers fan from New Jersey, that was a good reference, Mike, even though it's it's very upsetting for me to think about Aaron Rodgers and that the fact he's going to leave. But the the difference there is that Aaron Rodgers essentially owns the Green Bay Packers franchise. Ben Simmons... Barely has any pull. And Rogers won with them. He beat the Steelers in the Super yes, Bowl. Like he, he's been there. He's done it. He's done it. So he has. He's earned the right. Ben Simmons, his biggest achievement is never losing to the Knicks. And another thing to look at it is that you know Rogers is a veteran. You know he's yeah. been in the league for a while. He knows how players should be treated. He knows the ins and outs of the league. You know Ben Simmons is relatively new to this league, and if you look at the trajectory of his career, he has anything kind of plateaued since his rookie year. You know yeah. I think. A lot of people would say that might be his best year in the NBA. I mean, the defensive aspect he brings to the game has always been there. We've never questioned that. But on a shooting level, I mean, aside from a couple videos we see on social media of like, oh, Ben Simmons looking good from three, and it's like him hitting a couple threes in an open gym, that's the only thing we've seen from his perimeter shooting. And we've never really seen it in a game yet. And he's been in the league for like, he's still young. But This is what, his fifth year? I he's think? been in it yeah. long enough where we should see some growth, yeah. but instead he's kind of plateauing and he's still not at that veteran level. He's kind of like in the middle and I don't think he has any, he shouldn't be acting like this. I mean, I don't think anybody, any player should be acting like this. You know, you should leave all, you shouldn't have a grudge. You should be able to move on and do what's best for the team and and if you look at Embiid's comments, which I sure will get to, oh, we, oh, we already read them. Yeah, I mean, I mean, <laughs> I mean, those are you know, I mean, they just say it all like what the players think of him. That's just not going to be a good locker room environment. I, I just got to think. I mean, when is he out of Philly? I think that might be the next question because if he continues to act like this, it's hard to have that guy you know around. It's hard for us to speculate, and we really shouldn't speculate because the trade rumors have been. So wishy-washy because no one actually knows what his value is. Teams don't actually know if they want to take on the contract of 38 plus, and then like the next five years is going to get close to 50. And yeah, we've seen the rumors of the Timberwolves and then the Pacers. Uh, the Rockets was another one I saw. To some of those, I just say, are you even motivated to trade Ben Simmons to really get nothing decent in return? I mean, sure, if you want to trade him in Minnesota and you ask for D'Angelo Russell and a pick I mean okay but is it really worth trading him just to get better at shooting and then you lose everything because think about it it is harder getting harder to hold this take Ben Simmons is so valuable on the and every other aspect that doesn't include shooting like they trade him away they're gonna get so much worse I, on he's defense. not valuable as a team locker room guy no that's, that's for yeah. sure but the, I, he's goes you know he's a negative contributor in that sense so yeah I, I, it's just tough to bring in the on-the-court stuff. We know how good he is defensively. We know how good his passing is, how good of a ball handler he is. But when you can't shoot and then on top of that you are acting this way, it, it's like, it, it comes to the point like the Sixers are going to play him. If they play him Friday night, how, how does that even, what even happens he's, on the floor? He's suspended for the first game. I know first game yeah. tonight, but oh, Friday yeah. night he would yeah. come back. You would, you would yeah. Think. How would that work? Out? How would how, like what are we yeah. even gonna watch on the floor that night? I honestly, I, I I honestly would not go as far as to say like he would just play five minutes and then sit and then Joel Embiid plays point guard because that's how odd this is going to be because they're gonna have no one else. I mean Tyrese Maxey's the point guard. God help God help them all. But hey, 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 hey. He's got a little Tyrese Maxey respect here. I, I'm not saying he's bad, but he's just he's such a question mark. No, I know. We really I don't it. know what he is. Um He's the he's the fake news Emmanuel Quickly. Is that a is that a good way no, we can I, describe I think, him? I think he's about as good as Quickly is now, okay, to be honest, because he um, has playmaking chops and the ability to put pressure on the rim in a way that Quick might not yet. Uh speaking of the Knicks though, I wanted to make this Ben Simmons situation about the Knicks for like thirty seconds because oh <laughs> I'll take that opportunity if I Chris, can. Chris, we'll support you. We'll uh, support okay. you. Thank you, Mike. <laughs> I want to hear this. The Knicks got clowned 
yelled at, you know, everything league-wide because they only called a couple teams about Kristaps Porzingis. And everyone was like, why did you not call every single team in the league, put out feeler offers, get the best offer, and take that? Look at how this Ben Simmons saga has gone. You know, that might not always be the smartest thing to do to telegraph to the entire league, we really want to trade this guy. Because that does not seem to be boding well for Ben Simmons' trade value. Yeah. And he was a number one pick, man. I, I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, it, uh, the Sixers might have handled this really, really poorly. And Simmons might be acting really, really childish. I think uh, this is a two-way street here. Well, certainly, I, I've been saying this for months. Whoever gets Ben Simmons and whatever the Sixers trade him for, they're going to botch the trade. There's, there's no other way to put it. I'm sorry. Like, Daryl Morey is an abrasive weirdo. I don't even know what to make of Philadelphia. It's it's too annoying to talk about. And we have to talk about, I want to mention this one as well, another young player who's kind of in a crisis. DeAndre Ayton did not re-sign uh, with the Phoenix Suns. He rejected the rookie max extension, which he could have gotten five years, $173 million. That he We would be set for life had we taken that contract. But instead, he elects to reject it. Phoenix pays Mikhail Bridges, and then they pay Laundry Man, Landry Shamit money before they give it to Aiton. So, uh, it, again, here's another young player who's kind of in a crisis. Is this going to be a thing where he starts hogging the ball more, and is he going to sacrifice his own play for uh, – or not sacrifice his own play, but the team play for the better of himself so that he gets paid somewhere? Is he going to leave? I have no idea. Again, with Aiton, this is another – what the hell can happen here? And real quick, uh, before we move on to our award predictions, Mike, this is a team that went to the finals, and he was a humongous piece. And if they lose him within the next year and a half, let's let's just say that they're gonna they're gonna be done. They're they're not going back to they might not go back to the playoffs with how competitive and, the West is. And not only are you using, losing Aiden in a year and a half, you might be losing Chris Paul too. I mean, just to age. Yeah, I mean, not to another team. Yeah, just yeah. to age. And I think you really need Booker and Aiden. I think they're just a great match. So if you're the Suns, I think you make this deal work. But, I mean, if you compare Aiden to the other centers around the league, I mean, I don't think he's any Anthony Davis. I no. don't think he's, you know, Embiid. I think there's, I think, uh, there's some centers that are better than him. He's not top of the line in the centers, but he's next best on that list. Yeah. Like, he's and, not better than, like, yeah, obviously not Davis, Towns. We can say Adebayo. He's probably not more valuable than Gobert. That's pretty obvious. Who's – wait, which – DeAndre Aiden. I guess – qu- I mean, would you say Aiden, Aiden's a top, a top five center? Not yet. He's. A, he, I think he's I mean, another he's year really, away. He's really close, I he's got. Say. He's got to really put in, like, the 20.9 rebound season – on crazy efficiency. I mean, I, I would say I'm taking Adebayo over him. I'm taking Bam over him. Yeah. I'm taking Jokic. maybe Gobert just on defense. It's close. Jokic. Yeah. Jokic, yep. The MVP. Embiid. And, I mean, Anthony Davis. I mean, yeah. he's and already And Towns, not... I guess, is the other Cat, guy. Yeah. So are you going to pay him, like, the money those guys are getting? Yeah. That's the question, you know, if you're the Suns. Well, the but... Suns chose to take him number one overall. And then... What they did was they Which has worked out fine. I Let's think at the time no one was arguing with that though. Yeah. I'm still really not. That Chris dominant. was arguing that. But oh boy. That, that, no that was falling on deaf ears. No, no. <laughs> I guess my point is is that it's, I think it's he a was tough a situation. Number one pick. It's I, tough. I yeah. think it's just a tough situation because you know they offered him the rookie max extension, you know, he turns that down. I guess he doesn't really see him in the franchise or agreeing on, you know, where he fits on the team as like that max player, but if you look around the league, I think there are there are centers better than him, but are there any Sun can the Suns get a better player than him? Probably that's, not. That's the thing. Yeah. I think that you might nope. need Aiden to keep yourself in the playoffs and give yourself a chance at the title. And I think Booker's that good that he can do it with Aiden. I think if you look at Miami Heat Shaq, I think, you know, I think Aiden in his prime would probably be around where Shaq was at that point in his career, maybe even okay. better. That's fair. And, you know, Dwayne Wade and Booker are maybe similar offensive talents. So if Wade can win, you know, in 06 and with the Heat that year, I think I don't think it's wrong to say that Booker can do it too. I think that might be a fair comparison. So although I'm making the point that, you know, I don't think Aiden's a top-five center right now, I, I do think that you need him. You do need Suns, him, yeah. And that's going to drive the contract negotiations. I mean, I definitely 
I made fun of the Jazz for keeping Gobert because it's just like he's just a glorified rim runner. But again, no one's going to Phoenix as a free agent. They had to trade for Charles Barkley. And, all and those look years at what ago. he did with France in the Olympics. Yeah, I mean, he kind of. I mean, him and Fournier kind of carried carried him. Yeah, they team. carried that team. Frank Nilakino was the key to Frank success. Frank <laughs> not a Nick anymore. Team. Marcus Morris. Frank Nilakina. Frank Nilakina is good at basketball. Oh, boy. <laughs> um, nah, here's my quick take on Aiton. I think the Suns chose to take him number one overall. Good for them. I think they, for several years, handed him and Booker an unserious set of basketball players to play with. Oh, they handed them like the worst. Like Alfred mm-hmm. Payton was on. He's back no now. Good for, he's back. He's back now. Too. No good for them. Uh, last year they get Chris Paul. This get Chris Paul and made it to the finals. Good for them. They pay Chris Paul and they pay Mikal Bridges and they pay Landry Shaman, the laundry guy. And they don't pay their number one pick, who was instrumental in helping them get to the finals. I think Chris Paul, his leadership, has got to be the most overrated thing in the NBA. Chris it, Paul's yeah. leadership didn't make Booker score thirty a game. Chris Paul's leadership didn't make Aiton develop in like three years into a top center. Uh, Chris I think Paul Chris just Paul's or, leadership he, is important. It's not making these guys all stars. These guys are all stars without him. You got to pay your players that are good that you drafted number one overall and that have been good for you. I mean, look at Sacramento with Marvin Bagley. Oof. Talk about passing on Luca. They took Marvin Bagley over Luca and now informed him he's not in the opening night rotation. Jesus. His agent put out a statement publicly that they are demanding a trade because this situation is unprecedented. Like. How do you not just pay Aiton and get this over with? I don't know. I like some of the NBA owners. They're they're weird. As cheap, Chris and I, I is a better word. Knicks fans. Da- uh, Mike's a Cavs fan. He's got Dan Gilbert to deal with. So th- yeah, let's not let's not go there. Yeah, so that's, 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 a lot of them are very there. weird people. Okay, in mean, NFL you've got Palpatine, Jerry Jones. Uh, you got who owns the Jets? The Johnsons, I think it is. And then Green Bay is owned by like twenty five people. And then Mister Murphy is the chief representative, but. I don't know what Maras these some yeah the name that you're not allowed to speak negative even though they're Fordham alumni that have been they are driving look, I, the Giants into look the I have to say I, I can't really take a you know what on the Maras because they did give my family season tickets even though we're not Giants fans we just love football but I can't hey. say anything bad about them hey moral of the story I here respect it. moral of the story is that Robert Sarver and a lot of these NBA owners are weird people I don't understand why they won't pay Aiton I think the thing just to yeah. bring it back to you know Aiton yeah. It's that, I mean, he's a double-double machine, mm-hmm. and the consistency he brings to your offense, I know, you know, maybe I was just, you know, going against him earlier. I still don't think he's a top-five center, but he's just so such a good, like, lifeline, such a good safety valve for mm-hmm. this team, and I think Booker can be the guy, and when he's not on, you know Aiden's going to be there, and I think that really, really makes it baffling that they're not making this decision to, you know, put the money on the table and extend him. I think that's what they really need if they want to get back there. That's the biggest thing for me. So it, I guess we'll just have to see where where it takes us with the you know whole DeAndre Aiden Sun situation. But, you know, the, the team's got not that many years left, and I think this year is a really deciding year for them uh, with Chris Paul there and what they can do in the West. Again, can they repeat that? I mean, a lot of their postseason run was – because of the teams they played and the injuries the other teams they had played. You know, think about the Nuggets with, you know, obviously Jamal Murray not being there and tons of situations like that throughout the Western Conference. So it's going to be interesting to see how they stack up against when the Lakers are back, the Warriors are back, where they find themselves in the mix with the Jazz there. So I guess we're just going to have to see. Maybe they're trying to wait out this year and see, you know, what the situation is. Are they still going to be contender moving forward? But I think when Devin Booker's on your team and, if they can bring back Aiden, they'll still be in the mix for years to come. There's Yeah, definitely a lot of uncertainty. I think the one thing that we should think about, I don't want to say, Mike, yeah, you can say the window might be closing quicker than we thought, but this team will be around. If, like Chris Paul ages out nicely, and they have a viable replacement that they can find. I think that they'll they'll just be around for a while. Not that they'll win, but they'll just be a good team in the West, and that's that's just hard to do. But we have to talk about the good players, the people that we think are going to win awards. We're going to give our award predictions. I know that uh, last night already happened, but still early enough where we can do this. And we're going to start with the Most Valuable Player Award. This is 
one of the hardest ones to predict because there's like narratives you have to pump into this media personnel, voter fatigue, teams around them. It's there's a lot for this award. Uh, Chris, I'm going to I'm going to start with you on this. Who is your MVP for the 2021-2022 NBA season? Well, I hinted at my pick already. Um, I think when you have smart basketball players that can put the ball in the hoop that from distance, who can space the floor, who can Oh, I defend. know where you're going with this. I'm waiting. And I, you <laughs> take a bunch of those guys and have them as your little green army men, you know, <laughs> paving the way for the large tank that is Wardell, Stephen Curry Jr. I knew Jr. it. I have him too. Go I ahead, think keep going. that you can get like at least a two or three seed and a really nice narrative for Steph to grab one more MVP before the end of his career. You know, KD is gone now. He's still doing it. Clay was hurt. This guy's hurt. You know, whatever. They'll have an in-season injury, unfortunately. It's the way the sport goes now. And, um, yeah, I think it's all there for Steph to win it this year. I want to say that I would be remiss to not give a shout to Giannis, but I think Steph takes it this year. Wow, Giannis gets a mention and not even my guy. Who's your guy? I'm going with the best player in the uh, – one of the best players in the NBA, sorry. I would say top three right now. Giannis is one – I would maybe even make the case this guy's two or three, depending on where you put LeBron and Durant. But Oh, boy. I'm going Luka Doncic. Oh. I mean, Ooh, I just okay. think that this guy's so good, and the team that's around him kind of reminds me of the early years of LeBron in Cleveland. And – I mean, over 27 points for you in the past two seasons. Past two seasons, he's been close to a triple-double, too. Over eight rebounds and assists in each of those two years. I mean, I, I could see this guy averaging 30, 10, and 8 or something crazy yeah. like that this season. I think he could really get into that next gear in his game. I think he is the next face of the NBA. In two or three years, he's gonna be. we're going to start saying he is the best player in the NBA, which we're, well, I was going to go with it. I think... He's very close to Giannis. I really do. In Youngtown, I think Durant and LeBron, you know, in, in two, three years, we won't be talking about them at the top of the league anymore. But I think Doncic is really right there. I mean, we saw what he did in the playoffs. I mean, although he went out early, I mean, he he almost took down that Clippers team. I mean, he was this close. He was really, really right there. And I thought they were going to, you know, win that series. But, you know, obviously they lose. I just think he's that good of a player, and I think he has what it takes to get the MVP. I think a lot of people had them as their MVP, um, the MVP of the league last year, and obviously he didn't win it, but he was really close. And I think how good he is kind of flies under the radar sometimes, considering he is in Dallas, and we've kind of normalized his uh, dominance in the league already, even though three years in. But I think he can't take that next step this year and really be that good. So that's why he's my. Uh, most valuable player for this season. I, I also went with Steph, but I like the case for Luka. Yep. I, I do have to say that I'm really not a fan of what Dallas is doing kind of at all. Nope. I, Jason Kidd is, is not Rick Carlisle. He's just not a good coach. And some of the things that were given under Carlisle, like a, a person standing out of Luka's way, we might not see that with Jason Kidd. He might put four guys in front of Luka and you say, okay, everyone, Congo line to the rim. And then yeah, I'm not sure about the direction that's of the franchise, the franchise or the team, yeah. but my Luka, trust is yeah. in Luca. Luca, yeah, Luca is just—he's that good. He can overcome idiocy. Uh, and the worst part—I think the worst part about it is that they hired Harrelbob. Chris, you're taking Luca on the Knicks. Of course, I'm taking Luca on the Knicks. <laughs> Luca's like the sixth best player to me in yeah. the league right now. And I, he's I, like 22. You know, like I said, he was nuts. the best player in the summertime, but I had to kind of rescind. Jason that. Kidd, I'm close. Came out and said. We are not going to be one of those teams that just shoots a lot of threes for the sake of shooting a lot of threes. And they came out, and guess what they had? The number one negative differential in threes attempted per game from last year. It's just uh, Jason Kidd is trying to outsmart the NBA. He's trying to zag where the league is zigging, and it's just not. He's he's outsmarting himself. Like it, This is not yeah. going to go well. Now, will Luka Doncic have an incredible individual season? Probably, um, you know, will it be maladied by Porzingis injuries and things with the team going wrong? And yeah, probably. But Luca's gonna still gonna have a crazy year. I just don't know. Um, you know, you need team success. You need the story. You need. 
I don't know if Dallas, this Dallas team is a team that people really want to give awards to. Like, that's something I tried to keep in mind, too. Like, when I did my award predictions for this show, I tried not to give uh, one team two awards. I tried to spread the love around because that's kind of how the voters rock. How so. nice How nice of you. Yeah, thanks. How Alex. nice thanks, of Alex. you. <laughs> Chris loves everybody, but the thing I, I with Dallas also say this before we move on to the defensive players, they hired Harelabob, Bob Bulgaris, who worked at the ringer with Bill Simmons. And well, he's done now. He's not. Oh, he got he got booted. Oh yeah. Oh, after I knew, that yeah, offseason drama. You'd think they yeah, weren't okay. going to. Yeah, okay. No, that him. makes sense. But they hired. He Moral... started tweeting about how everything was not his fault. Like literally the day it was announced. <laughs> okay, so now that I know that Bob has been booted, I do have to say, why was Mark Cuban listening to Harella Bob, who, if you follow his Twitter, is probably the most annoying person that isn't named Skip Bayless. He's someone else who Skip. thinks that no matter what room they walk into, they are the smartest person. Yeah, and... he's I can't stand him. But moving on to Defensive Player of the Year, there's a couple of candidates. Again, this is another award that's going to be affected by voter fatigue. I went with Miles Turner of the Pacers simply because they, they have a massive coaching upgrade in Carlisle who emphasizes defense. Turner is their, is their defensive everything. And I used to be on the train of we have to break up the Sabonis-Turner thing. I, I don't think you can really do that because Turner is so essential, especially on the defensive end, because the Pacers, sure, they have good good players on offense and they've got some juice on that end, but their defense is, without Turner, it's probably very below average. And Miles Turner just eliminates that factor. I, I, I like him for defensive player. He was the block champ last year. Again, blocks are not the end all of defense. Just ask Hassan Whiteside. I was going to say, yeah. Hassan Whiteside blocks and Trayvon Diggs interceptions. Interceptions, like, yeah. It's it's very, it's a backwards. The most meaningless stat. Yeah, even, it's, there, some of them are very backwards, but Turner just overall as a defensive big, his size, the length that he has, and he's still productive on, on the offensive end as well. I think he's good enough to win the defensive player, and voter fatigue is going to be a thing because they're not going to give it to Gobert for the five zillionth time. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to make my pick another center um, outside of Gobert. I'm going to go uh, Anthony Davis. I think that Ooh. he's – I, I kind of talked about it earlier in the in the show, but I think that he's healthy. He's a great defender. He's kind of the glue that holds this Laker defense together, being the rim protector of the team. And I think he's been really close. I mean, Gobert beat him out. I think that he was really close the year he was the runner-up. So I think he's – been almost the defense player of the year. I think this is the year he does it because he's put on a lot of muscle and he looks like he's in shape after seeing him last night. So that's what really leads me to make him my defense player of the year. I think that he's always been a great defensive player. This year he's healthy, so this year he's going to win it. Man, defensive player of the year is tough. Um, like you guys mentioned, voter fatigue with Rudy Gobert. They've just been giving it to the same three people. See, that's the problem with well, this award. Well, I don't think it's a problem. I think Rudy Gobert could legitimately have a case every single season. He, I did, think, he could. He could. Yeah, I yeah, think the true. problem is more with voter fatigue and that the concept of that just being a real thing. Um, I mean, that's I mean, that's literally the entire thing around LeBron and yep. Michael Jordan MVPs. Yep. Yeah. In fact, Karl Malone beat Michael Jordan was probably voter fatigue. They yeah. just don't want to vote. Yeah. So, you know, Rudy Gobert is my pick in in spirit. Um, but I have a I have a non-Rudy pick and that oh. is um a bone that I'm going to throw rarely that I rarely do this in the direction of the Miami Heat. Um I think their depth reeks. Like I think their bench actually stinks. So, those starters are going to be running with Spolstra. Bam Adebayo oh, wow. has the opportunity to rack up some counting stats and have a legitimate, great defensive impact on what can be a fifth or sixth seed, fourth seed maybe in the East. Um, I don't, I'm, not on, I'm not as high on Miami's regular season prospects as other people. I think a team like Atlanta will finish with more wins. They're deeper, better built for the regular season. But Miami has got some great players, as we know, and when you've got P.J. Tucker out there to help, I think this can be the year that Bam Adebayo's on the court enough and, and playing good enough basketball on both ends to draw enough attention to his really impactful defense. And a la Draymond, you know, at like 6'9 or whatever, uh, you know, 
a couple inches taller than Draymond, but grab, <laughs> grab himself a DPO. Also from state. New Jersey is uh, Bam Adebayo. Yes, sir. From New- Newark. I was going to say this. Uh, something I just thought about, I thought I'd get your guys' opinion on it. When will we see, like, another forward? When or maybe even a guard when guard or forward. I think it was like player of the year. I mean, I, I I looked at it just now. You know, Kawhi Leonard, twenty sixteen, won the forward. I mean, um, I won defensive player of the year as a forward. You know, Draymond Green won in twenty seventeen, but he's kind of like that big man power forward. He's the. Hybrid. I'm thinking more of like a top of the key perimeter defender. I mean, Kawhi won it back to back. Uh, he's retired. I'm saying. I'm saying. <laughs> Gary Payton won in ninety six. I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, was yeah, that, yeah. Point was guard? that the last? Yeah, the last I think that was the last guard. Metal World Peace won in 04, but I don't... Deuce McBride. <laughs> if he plays. I mean, Jordan won it in 88, so right, he's yeah. another... But I, I just think that it's such a center-dominated conversation. Mm-hmm. We all gave yeah. center picks. I think that's just where the defensive player of the year goes. I would love to see a shoot... Like a Jimmy Butler win it. I don't think he will, but something like that, like a shooting guard or a point guard win it, that would make the award really interesting. Howard it's, Beck picked Matisse Thibel. Who is, for, uh, oh, for defensive the? player of the year? That there's your wing. That's a hot take. That, that is a flaming. <laughs> that is a flaming. I, I thought deep that cut. was very interesting. It's it's the defensive player of the year is the equivalent of running backs trying to win MVP in the NFL. A, a record would have to be broken, and that's probably for the NFL. That's the single season touchdown record set by none other than Ladanian Tomlinson in the NBA. I don't know what the record would have to be to be broken. I someone would have to average like twelve blocks and. Ten I steals. was going to say blocks in the season. It'd have to be something crazy, you know, something nuts. It'd Stocks. Be, yeah, I, I honestly charges. I don't know. It, <laughs> it, we're just now we're just throwing stuff at the wall and see if it, see even if it sticks. But moving on to sixth man, again, this is another open-ish award. There's this one. There's really no narratives because this is more based on statistics and the team success. I actually went with Tyrese Halliburton. And I know that he's going to be on a team that's going to suck. That is the Kings. And I do think they can and probably will start Davion Mitchell. But I like Halliburton here for this award. He was by far their undisputed leader of the bench last year. Wildly efficient for a rookie. 47% from the field and 41% from three. And he was a first-team all-rookie selection last year, averaging 13 points. He's got some skills. And his defense, his passing, his everything is really good. And the Knicks passed on him, obviously, in the draft. But... Seems to have worked out for both sides. I don't know. It's it's an open award. I like Halliburton a lot. I just went with the deeper cut. I know that we're going to probably hear some of the more generic names like Clarkson or um, say Jordan Poole, I guess, once he goes gets relegated back to the bench. This really, Chris, this is anyone's award, and I have a feeling you're going to pick Derek Rose. I am. You are? Okay, I knew it, so. Why? <laughs> I think I think my runner-up is Jordan Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson, by the okay. way, I think he is the sixth man in the NBA right now. He is uh, our Jamal Crawford. You know, just that that shooting guard who can get a bucket on just about anyone, but just you know isn't great enough on a contending team to start, and that's very okay because being sixth man of the year on the Jazz is no small feat. Um, Clarkson would be my runner-up. Rose, though, the thing with Rose, for me, it's a a bit of a loophole in how I think he's going to win. And it's that I think, if not at the start of the year, at least by the middle of the year, uh, Thibodeau is going to have him close games over Walker at least sometimes. And that's going to bump his counting stats up, but he'll still not be starting. Uh, And as long as Kemba doesn't get hurt uh, too, too often, he'll be starting but not a crazy amount where he's disqualified from the sixth man of the year contention. So I think Rose gets enough starts and enough closes, enough overall minutes as the backup point guard to be able to put up enough stats to win the sixth man of the year, even if he's like the de facto starter. Uh, I love Derrick Rose for that award this year. I do like the Derrick Rose pick a lot. I'm going with Jordan Clarkson. I mean, the guy you did mention. I was, I mean, I'm looking at the sixth man of the year guys who are really up for the award, and it's just, it's hard to, there's just no scoring production like Jordan Clarkson gives you. I think Rose might near that, but with Kemba Walker arriving, I think he's going to eat in to some of the points Rose can put up this season. I mean, Clarkson averaged 18 points per game last year. I mean, he's just such a burst for that team off the bench, and he's really blossoming to a great scorer in this league. He's a safe pick, but I think he's the right one. And that's what I'm going with. 
Yeah, I mean, Clarkson just, he shoots like a madman off of that jazz bench, and it's worked pretty well for them. I'd say that they've won a ton of games because of him. And You can say what you want about his efficiency, but overall his numbers have been really good. Most improved is, again, another award here that can literally be anyone. Like This guy can be pulled out of thin air. Julius Randle was a good person that Knicks fans wanted traded, and now he's an all-star and he won the most improved. And I'm going to follow that up this year with another Nick, and that's going to be R.J. Barrett. I think this year with how the team has been constructed, the spacing's a lot better. The floor's a lot more opened up. His three-point shot got better last year, and I don't think he's done getting better overall. There's definitely another level he can go to. And Clyde Frazier put it best on one of the broadcasts last year. He said next year Barrett has to try for an all-star team. I do agree. He's getting to his third season. We're getting to the point now where they really need him to show up because the future is him and Randall on that Knicks squad, Mike. And without Barrett, I mean, obviously you'd obviously need Randall too, but without Barrett, that Knicks team really doesn't go. And those two make it work. I think Barrett's going to make the jump. I I like that Barrett pick. At the same time, I have reservations around it. I okay. think Barrett is not the type of guy to have one massive like jump to the next season. I think he could be someone we see just growingly gets better, like over the course of his career. And you know, when he by the time he's twenty six and twenty seven, he is giving you nineteen twenty with eight assists, something like that. I think he's more that kind of guy than someone I see making you know, immediate jump to that kind of player, especially with Kemba arriving this year. Uh, my pick, I I have to mention my Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> this is the perfect award for those two guards. I went with Darius Garland. I think the skill set is there. I mean, he averaged 17 points per game this season. He averaged 12 his rookie year. I think he has the talent to give you 22-7. and seven. I really do. It's just a fit. He needs that right fit. And right now, him and Sexton have not been gelling great. I think the Cleveland, I think this Cleveland team is going to find a way to make them work better. And I think with Mobley getting there, that's going to open up a lot more room for both guards to work. I think Sexton could be a pick for this award too. I thought he could have been up for it last season, he wasn't. But I think both of these guards could have a chance at this. I'm going with Garland though because I think his skill set. I think he's a better three point shooter than Sexton. I think he has a better floater game. I think he does a lot more. And for those reasons, I think that he has a real shot at this and. If he can get to 22 points per game this year or even like six, seven assists, which is around where he had last season, I think he could be up for this war, especially if Cleveland sneaks into that 10 seed play in. I know the East is really deep this year, but, you know, if Mobley can step up, I think Cleveland has a shot to be flirting around 12, 11 and maybe sneak into the 10. So I do like Garland as a potential guy to be, you know, in the mix for most improved. I think he'll win it. I think that's a great take. Um, when you have that talent, you know, and it just hasn't pieced itself together yet in a manner where you're like a surefire star, um, you know, I don't hate this Cavs team as being the one that can help Garland unlock himself, kind of. You know, I think they said they're going to be starting marketing. So your starting lineup is going to be Garland, Sexton, and three seven-footers. Uh, so uh, Okoro, <laughs> is he not going to start at the three? Pretty sure marketing starting at the three. I mean, Akora, if he comes off the bench, that's another guy that could be a sneaky six-man. Yeah, hey. There you go. Um, but that's We already talked about that. <laughs> I, I don't know about six-man of the year. Maybe, like, 25, under 25 six-man of the year, maybe, because that he like I, I loved Akora in that draft. So I think I, I still have high hopes for him. Um, the thing with Garland is, like, kind of the same thing with Barrett for me. Uh, these guys just they, – they have too many, too many good players – on their team and that's not even to say the Cavaliers are a star-studded roster lineup I just think they have too many guys that are going to need the ball in their hands and for Garland to get all those touches like I don't know where all those touches come from I know he runs the offense but that might manifest itself in, in just a bunch of assists and I don't know if that does it for MIP RJ Kemba Evan added to the starting lineup you know counting stats might stay around the same or even go down a little bit I think that uh, someone who is getting kind of slept on for this award. And I think the rationale is pretty similar to, to why I would pick Garland if I were to pick Garland, just thinking that they can finally put it all together this year. But Garland has on, been on a pretty upward trajectory. I think this guy um, 
is a big man who has been unable to rebound <laughs> for his time in the league <laughs> so far. So that's not going to be conducive. That's not good. It's a great play, but he bulked up. He's he's gone from averaging just under eight rebounds to about eleven in preseason. And he's got an offensive creator on his team who can really help spoon feed him some easy buckets. Jaron Jackson Jr. is my pick for most improved player of the year. Because the Memphis Grizzlies are gonna be a fun team, and I think he is gonna get the opportunity to show what he's got and show how much he's improved. I, I mean, Jaron Jackson. The thing with him is, can he stay healthy? Yeah, uh, that's real. The problem. Qu- yeah, real quick here. I want to run through our last two awards. Uh, Rookie of the year. I went with Jalen Green simply for the fact that he's going to have no real competition for shots. They're not going to play Wall until he's get it traded. The only other person on the shot or the, on the Rockets that can take shots is probably this this uh, this Sengun character who everyone keeps telling you about. I don't actually know much about him, but I think that Jalen Green has more than comparable case to win the rookie of the year and for coach of the year i mean i'll pass this got these two to you guys and just go through them real quick coach of the year I went with quinn snyder i think the jazz are still going to be good again and uh i i think that they're a little bit more angry this year than they were last year about poop in their pants in the playoffs <laughs> i mean not to not to just sound like a juvenile but that's that's essentially what what happened i've got quinn too okay so yeah, that's a good pick. I mean, if we're going coach of the year first, I got Steve Kerr. Okay. Hey. I think that's an interesting pick because I think this Warriors team was built really well. I mean, Poole, Lee, Thompson, Curry, guys who can shoot. I think they will be good and dangerous. I think they could be a three seed in the West. I really do. And I'm I'm not sure how the West will play out. Injuries are going to determine the standings as they always do. Mm-hmm. And if the Warriors can stay healthy and if they're in the top of that conference, I mean, just based on the turnaround of last year, I think Kerr is a real shot of this award. So, I mean, he's my coach of the year. I'll throw in my rookie of the year pick before we go back to Chris and get, you know, his pick. I mean, I'm going Jalen Green, too. I think All right. just the transition from the G League and the scoring we saw there and then even having 20 points in three games in the summer league, I mean, he's on another level than the other rookies. You know, I think Cade Cunningham might be the best rookie, but does he make, you know, that jump to be rookie of the year? In his first year, I'm, I'm not sure if he does that. I think Jalen Green's more NBA player right now. And I think on that Houston team, I mean, he's going to get a lot of looks. The ball is going to be in his hands. He's going to be able to score. So that's why he's my rookie of the year. Chris, real quick, it's, rookie of the year. It's tough because Green is super wiry, and he's got to fill out that frame. I'm going to go with the guy who I think an average, like, uh, a cool 14, 4, and Is seven, this Jalen Suggs? No, no, oh, Cade, uh, man. Cade, okay. Gotta go Cade. Okay. He's got a lot of talent there on that Detroit team. You know, they're not going to win a bunch of games, but I, I like his opportunity there. I think he wins rookie of the year. So, obviously, not too many hot takes today, but I thought we were consistent for the most part. Uh, it was been, it's been fun, obviously, talking with the two of you, Michael Calamari and Chris Persiainen, who should now go full-time as Chris P. And this has been <laughs> another installment of Pick and Pod. This has been like the awards episode mixed in with previewing the games. It's a preseason preview. Preseason. There you go. A little alliteration in there. Just a little late, but we're, it's, it's all cool. Our sports director here is Bobby Sheffardini, supervising producer Alex Wolves, Michael Calamari also speaking and producing today. For Pick and Pod, this is Thomas Aiello signing off, and Pick and Pod is a production of WFUV Sports.